Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Uh, this week we're going to be doing a Q&A style with Pastor on the sermon from this Sunday, which was titled The Fatherly Pastor. And um, I just wanted to start off right away. You don't know I'm going to do this. Ha ha. Um, but, and I kind of already talked to you about this personally or through staff texting, but the seven points when I got Pastor's message on Sunday morning and putting the notes in and I started going through all the seven points and I thought, put myself in your shoes, like, ah, I got to preach about myself and of course about what a pastor should be in general, but you were preaching about yourself. And I just was like, is he this one? Is he this one? Is he this <laughs> one? And you just nailed all seven of them. It was, it's, you've been here for a long time. You're a seasoned pastor, you know, um, and you've been here for what, 20, 25 years? What is it? Not quite, 20, 22. 22, almost 23. Somewhere in there, uh, years. And of course you were doing it before, but um, I've been here since I was 18 and so uh, regularly. And so I just, I've seen you grow through all of those and we're going to go through them in detail here. But, um, but speaking of when I came here, I was 18, you know, I grew up, um, without a dad when I was younger and then with him when I was older, but he wasn't a spiritual guy. And so, um, you're actually about the same age as my dad. So, um, even you even knew my mom when she came, when she was here while you were going to college. So, um, so yeah, that. When you, when you came, at, that was my first like person of that age bracket that would have been a spiritual person to me. And um, kind of the age of your kids. And so father figure as a, as a leader in my life, I mean, um, there's probably times when I was that age, it rubbed me wrong when you talked to me as if I were your kid. But I needed it. And you changed my life with messages and just, you know, smacking me around, but spiritually speaking. So... Um, thanks for that. Oh. And thanks for being those seven things. Well, and you're referring obviously to the message that we titled the the fatherly pastor. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing we've been studying First Thessalonians and uh, specifically the second chapter in the first twelve verses. Mm-hmm. And those seven points, I'm just gonna rattle them off yeah. if you don't mind. Uh, because uh, I think I have some areas of improvement here, but you're very kind with your words here, Doug. But uh, what we said was the fatherly pastor, uh, that is the pastor who, who acts fatherly with his uh, spiritual flock, mm-hmm. uh, takes the clock out of his schedule. Now, the key word here is out, not necessarily, but it, the word out is in every one of these. Mm-hmm. So he takes the clock out of his schedule, so he's not married to a time. Yep. Uh, he stands out for everybody to see, so he's not hiding from anybody. Yep. Uh, thirdly, he ministers out of... this. T- just to let you know, this was, uh, uh, this was the big personal showstopper for me. This was not just the most challenging, but the one that really, uh, uh, you know, really dealt with, you know, from my own heart. Uh, and that was ministers out of every season of his life. And if you'll remember, I made a big deal of the fact that it didn't matter if you're at the top of the mountain or you're down in the biggest pit. You still, if you're a pastor, you have to minister. You have to father people. Um, and then pours out from the overflow of his heart. There's an assumption here that I'm that I'm not just teaching spiritual things academically, but uh, mm-hmm. but I am a spiritual guy. I love the Word of God. I'm in the Word of God. I'm spending time in prayer and this and that. Mm-hmm. And it's it, there's an overflow that's happening. And then fifthly, it comes out to encourage God's people. Kind of wrestled through those the twelfth verse and all those different words for encourage, encourage, exhort charging people so sometimes it's a hard word like you just talked about with me yeah. and sometimes more of a comforting mm-hmm. word 
And we have pastors on staff that are known more for one than sure. the other. You think of Kurt DeGraff, who uh, our podcast has seen. You know, he's that guy. He's right there oh, yeah. putting his arm around you all the time. And but I want to be that guy too. I mean, I want to have that element in my life. We talked about that. Uh, number six looks out for lurking enemies. So this is the just like a good father would want to keep his kids away from evil and bad things. Uh, some more successful than others, you know. A good fatherly pastor is going to warn his people about some of the theological enemies we have, personal enemies we have, uh, moral enemies we have, and there's a lot of those. And then finally, he points out the calling in which we are called. That's the last verse. Paul says, you know, you, you God has called you to his kingdom and glory. So those are the things that we talked about here. And Doug, I'm honored to have you going back and forth with me because you have an amazing testimony to me. I, I didn't know when we first met when you were 18. I didn't make that connection that is to the to your mother. And I, I did know your mother uh, when I was a student. Uh, and I knew she had lived a, a really hard, immoral life in this. And I, I didn't realize she'd been married multiple times you know, over the years because I left a pastor in another place, came back to find out she'd been married I don't know how many times. I don't know. A bunch of times, <laughs> and uh, but yeah. uh, I mean a bunch of times, right? Sure. And then and yeah. then uh, and then your dad really tell your dad wasn't too much in the picture growing up, was he? No, they were really young. They, I mean, they supposedly got uh, pregnant on purpose so they could get married because they would parents wouldn't let them get married that young. They're like sixteen and nineteen or something like that. So that's where I came from. Mm-hmm. So um, no accident, obviously, for God, but. Um, and that wasn't an accident from them. It was just a out-of-order thing. So anyways, they only lasted a few years, three years, and then uh, really young. And he went off to construction life, and she went off to trying to find the right guy and finding it the wrong way. Yeah. So I was drugged through that. She was a great mom, but um, just had her, you know, her life that was a little messed up. So I lived with my grandparents a lot, and they lived right down the hill, and they got saved Right after, right before I was born. So your grandpa and grandma became Christians through this ministry, yeah. not under my preaching. Um, one of them maybe did one, one on okay. TV evangelism. Yeah. But okay. yes, they became, they grew hugely uh, under uh, Pastor Hayes. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then all the rest of them. And they brought you to church. Correct. That's where you were influenced yep. by the gospel. How old were you when you trusted Christ? About five. Because you yep. were really young, yep. So kind of, so you had mom raising you. Dad wasn't really in the picture, right? Uh, did you have a hard time not having your dad in your life when you were younger? Oh yeah. Uh, as a kid, you know, I don't remember being with him. I, there's a ton of pictures of me with him, little, but I don't remember any of that. And he was, uh, he'd send me presents on Christmas and birthday, or he would come down to. He lived in Minnesota, Alaska, all over. So he would come to the area for like holidays, but I only see him for a few days, you know. So, um, so yeah, there was lots of times, especially I, I think, um, early like teenage years, I was really like, why, why doesn't my dad want me? Why did my dad leave? How could he leave me? You know, mm. and uh, man, it makes me emotional right now. Mm. <laughs> um, because I remember laying in my grandma, at my grandma's in bed so many times crying, just like, I want to be with my dad, I want to be with my dad. And I didn't know him. You know, I knew of him. He wasn't a bad. He was a hunter and a fisher and a construction guy, and there's nothing wrong with him. He just... Why would you want that? I mean, did you have friends that had dads and stuff like that? Was that, was, was that the lure? Probably, yeah. Um, it was an unknown. You know, you don't... Maybe 
I don't know totally how it feels, but I kind of did. It was like, I don't know who I am because I don't know who my parents are. You know, like, I know I know my mom, but, like, I didn't have the manly part. And I was almost the dad of the family a lot because my mom was, a, like, single a lot, too. So, and then eventually I had siblings and all that. So, yeah, so my grandpa was also great, but he was just a new believer. And he was hardcore before that. I mean, he was a drinker and a partier and a smoker and a fighter and a, everything for a long time. So... Um, he was just coming out of that and just a, um, not a soft guy, not an emotional guy, not a talkative guy like that. And he is now, but so there wasn't, my grandma was the only person that was like that in my life. And so, yeah, there, that was totally missing. Yeah, this is, this just speaks to me. I mean, just for, for those of you watching this podcast, you should know that if, that Doug and his wife, Brooke, have five children. Uh, they've been a part of this church for years mm-hmm. and uh, many years. I mean, well, since you were 18, you came and you got you got. And I married. grew up here as a kid. So yeah, so really almost seven, all your life seven except through 12. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you'd look at their family and you'd say, man, there's an example of a guy who was raised right. And sure. uh, and maybe say the same thing about Brooke, but it just speaks of the power of the gospel to break the chains of sin and struggle yeah. and hardship and ruinous upbringings even. Yeah. And, and then the community of the, of the believers, you've been around the church all of your life as well. All right. of those things have factored into your life, haven't they? Yeah. But to the name of the ser- of sermon, the thing that grabbed me... So I drifted through high school uh, away from Christianity in a sense. I had the Holy Spirit beaten on me the whole time. Mm-hmm. But there was no other influence really in my life. A couple of Christians that were real weak in school, and they've come out of that too now. But... Um, I came back, I was coming back here for sermons and then going back to my hometown and partying and coming back here for sermons and partying, back and forth, back and forth. And I remember a few different things where you specifically uh, changed my life in the fatherly pastoral way. Like I remember one time I was, I think it was, I think it was maybe the same day. You had the message about, it was called Cut It Off and it was about being unequally yoked. And I was specifically... Um, dating a girl who wasn't a believer, but also had friends who weren't either. And you were talking about both. And the message was called Cut It Off. And you were doing your, like this, <laughs> cut it off. Like, you know, very, very um, loudly. And um, But it was exactly what I needed. And then I'm pretty sure I followed you out afterwards, kind of classic, like, you know, you're trying to leave. And I'm like, but I got my problem. Counsel me right now kind of situation. <laughs> And you just were real short with me, and it's exactly what I needed to do. And I'm pretty sure I took the tape, the cassette tape, drove all the way to my girlfriend's house, made her listen to it, and then we broke up, and I was done. That was the change. It was was like a black and white change. It's done. Cut off all the friends, alcohol, the partying, dedicated myself here, started serving, ended up coming on staff. And Mm. um, but you know, we were talking about that this morning. I wanted you to talk about it a little bit. You were talking about Marilyn. And how you guys, this is your like anniversary of your first date. And then like, what if this didn't happen? What if that didn't happen? What if I didn't come to Sailorville? Like how that would all affect. And I, of course, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm just like, okay, that message I would have never heard. Mm -hmm. Obviously God can do whatever he wants to do. But through you, he did, he changed my life directly. And then you're the one who I'm, you know, I don't know whose great idea it was, but you're the one who asked me to come here to work. I mean, you specifically, I remember standing right in the coffee cove at a Valentine banquet and you're like, you want to come work here? And I just said yes, like out of not just yes. And so those moments are that completely changed my life. 
So, and, and there was other staff going around. I mean, they were crying. People were crying about it. Yeah, I couldn't even hardly get out of what I was trying to say. I was looking right across at Alice Bear, whose yeah. husband came to Christ uh, as a result of my wife and I having studies with them. And, mm -hmm. and she just started weeping because she yeah. started thinking of all the things that would not have been. And, and, uh, and just so that our audience could catch a, put yeah. a frame around this, I, uh, you're right. It's the 25th anniversary of the first time I ever took my wife, Marilyn, out on a date. I mean, I was a widower. She was a widow. And, um, and I, I, I said to our group that uh, back in 1844, the very first text message was sent out. Actually, <laughs> it was Morse code. Uh, Samuel Morse from Washington, D.C. sent 40 miles away to Baltimore to uh, his, uh, his uh, friend, Mr. Vale, who received it, and he famously sent the message, what hath God wrought? You know, in other words, what, look, what, look what God has done. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I basically said to our group, my wife and I could say the same thing. 25 years later, we think of our 10 children, their spouses, all these grandchildren, uh, different ministry, churches, planet, all kinds of yeah. things. And then it, all, it always boils down to individual lives. Sure. Uh, and, uh, and I really, as I think back to those early days, I think of you, Doug, and just the, being a father figure to some degree to you. Yeah. Here is a, here's what the text says. I want to read it. Paul says, We exhorted each of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So, so there's encouragement there's uh, there's exhortation, there's charging. Mm -hmm. um, all of that has to happen in the church, and it's got to start with the pastor. There's got to be that father figure element as well. And uh, you're right, you did text, you said that on the text, said the one that I said you weren't supposed to reply oh, yeah. to, which was very nice of you. Um, so what other areas do you think, uh, uh, can you think of, of times where pastors fail now, I know you've been under me all of your life, but you've been around. You got a lot of friends. You've worked. Yeah. I mean, where pastors fail to be father-like, uh, how would you respond to that? How does pastor fail? Um, man, you and I have. Well, let's just let's just stay on the on the vein that you and I. Uh, yeah. We've gotten along great all these years, mm -hmm. but we've had a few times where sure. you weren't really happy with me. I'm not. We didn't write this down. We didn't no, rehearse this. And uh, this is where the community comes in. I actually yeah. had somebody else come to me and say, you know, Doug's not really thrilled by the way you've been uh, talking to him and, and uh, uh, maybe interrupting your work because you, you should know that Doug works extremely hard. He, you have always a lot on your plate, just as I do. Sure. But I'm the lead guy, so the lead guy comes in and if he says, hey, I need this to get done here, your tendency is to drop whatever you're doing, get it done, which you've always done sure. for me. Sure. But that didn't always go so well with you, did it? Well, it's, I think part of it is, so you are my father's age, but I'm not a child anymore. And so I think both of us moving through that, you were just coming out of kids out of high school. I was just coming out of high school, I, you know, in my 20s and wanting to be independent. But you still having a natural uh, tendency to talk to your children as a father. And so I felt sometimes like, you talk to me as a father instead of a peer. Mm. And so there was times when I'm like, you can't tell me what to do, although you can. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like that feeling of like, you're telling me what to do because you're, you're here and I'm here. And I don't think you were purposely doing that. I just think that it was also my own issue. And we've both come to the middle, I think, on that. So I'm 
I think everything's great now. But yeah, th- that that would be something I would say like as an older pastor, if you're talking to younger guys and discouraging them in the sense that they're not, I'm talking about pastors, but even I guess other lay leaders or anything yeah. like that, if you're just talking to them like you're up here and or or not that you're acting like you're up there, but they're down here, that that's just going to keep them down there, I guess, yeah. in a sense. Yeah. So that would be something I'd be careful of, I guess. That's a great point. And again, talk about the fatherly pastor. I mean, I, what just came to my mind was, uh, of course, as many know, I have 10 children. Mm-hmm. One of my sons counseled me one day over the phone uh, because I was going to talk to some another one of his siblings and kind of deal with some matter. And this particular son said, hey, Dad, if I were you, I wouldn't do this. I would do this. I remember listening to him thinking, he's counseling me right now. <laughs> and it's really good when I'm here. And I yeah. really needed to hear this, you know, and it's super helpful to me. In fact, I circled back and thanked him for that. And with you, I remember um, uh, after one of those incidences, it was a few years, several years back, but, but somebody else on staff came to me and said, hey, you know, uh, I don't think you're respecting Doug like you ought to. I think you need to be, you know, you, he's, he's got a full plate. You, you know, you need to get permission to just jump in there and don't just think, because he's just, you're the lead guy. He's just going to drop everything for you, which you always have done. So that was good for me. It gave me pause. And I still ask you to do things, but I'm a little reticent to do that. I think you know that too. True. We do have our own way in which we roll. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, uh, the fatherly pastor is not, He's not a, just an Attila the Hun, sure. because I could be that really easy, sure. I know. Uh, he's got to be understanding. And as you grow, I should be growing, and somehow we start to come to the middle on this, huh? Yeah, and I think, too, for, to talk to people who may be in, like, my spot, you know, one of the things that I um, have struggled with is, like, not you, let's say, but um, another another pastor. I, I mean, we've had, well, we probably do now, pastors that are younger than me, mm-hmm. that they're labeled, they have a pastoral name. Yep. And when they, you know, I respect them all the time, but on Sundays, if they're preaching, if they're leading, if they're in charge, like I draw, I have to put my pride, my whatever, my scuttle with them, anything to the side and, and serve and respect them. And I think that doesn't always happen on the other side. So not just a failure of a pastor, but a failure of like a, uh, like a, anybody that would be under a pastor like there's a respect level there like a police officer or whatever kind of respect a father that you should have a fearful respect of them that that i've had to learn over time honestly you know we're both sinners so it's like we've just gotta um, forgive each other and we're we have the same mission and so you would also acknowledge wouldn't you that the pastor because of his position regardless of his age he deserves a level of respect. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, now the younger pastors, what I have seen in younger pastors, because I saw it myself. <laughs> I don't see it anymore because I'm not that younger guy anymore. But uh, yeah. I saw it myself because I, I became a pastor when I was 28 years old. And I remember those first 10 years um, and before I came here to Sailorville. You know, I was a little more, I used to write the, the e, not the emails because emails didn't come around. Anyway, sorry, not to age myself like a dinosaur here, but uh, I used to write the letters and stuff and and sign it, Pastor Pat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, or maybe leave the voicemail, this is Pastor Pat. Well, I just, I don't, I don't do that very often or uh, I don't want to assert my authority. But I find that younger pastors tend to sort of assert their authority because they don't feel like they're getting the respect sure. from the congregation. 
What would you say, since you grew up in the church through your grandpa and grandma who brought you here, came to Christ young, kind of you know fluttered around, got right with God about the yep. time I came when I preached a couple of sermons, this and that. What would you say to the listener out there who has a young pastor? Uh, he's a good guy. He's a good preacher. He's he's hip. He's cool. He's uh, he understands the culture, but he gets under my skin, and sometimes I just don't want to respect him. What what would you say to that person who's tempted to not respect his their younger pastor? Yeah, well, I know people who had that issue with you when you first came here. Yeah. You were on fire and bold and running around and didn't have time to they think yeah. time for them, and maybe you're just like you know when there's less staff, you're doing all the work, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyways. You know, I think, I just think um, people don't realize what what's going on behind the scenes. A lot of people think of church as that one hour, and they think of you, you just study all week and sit in a coffee shop, and then you show up and you're just like, oh, and you don't work your 40 hours and all that. Like, it's just hilarious that people think that. They think that today, and it's just like, that's not true at all. And you're not just dealing with speaking. I mean, you're doing so many other things and like meeting after meeting about trying to give the vision and the leadership to the next person below and making big decisions and dealing with huge catastrophes and just like, there's stuff, just like I do stuff you don't know. You're doing stuff I have no idea. And like all these things, the one, the first one about like not having a schedule really. I mean, you are, you're the person that's got to be at every event or you've got to be, involved in every major decision and every deacons meeting and every business meeting and every it's like people don't realize that so i just think that they just need to realize that like they're i think they're just being selfish when they're in that Mm -hmm. point they're just like you're not taking care of me you're not answering my question you're not focused on me and that's totally not what their their desire would be i think is a young whether it's a young guy or old guy they should just be realizing like what's the perp what's this pastor's purpose and it's not just all about me. Like if they're having that issue, it's most likely a, their own heart issue, like selfishness. That's good. I feel like that's really good, Doug. And I, I'm just thinking about this. And you know, Sailorville is a larger church, and we have yeah. a lot of specialist pastors sure. and stuff. But most of the guys out there pastoring, and a lot of them watch these podcasts. Uh, uh, they're just it. They're the only guy there, you sure, know. Yeah. And uh, so they they don't they they're they're juggling. They're spinning a lot of plates. In fact, I'd argue they're sometimes working way harder than we are. Oh, yeah. Exhausted, and maybe yeah. have mercy on them for all yeah. for all they're doing. You might say to them, well, "Let's just turn the table a little bit here." And and what would you say to the young pastor? Because people want to hear this too, even though they're not pastors. What would you say to the young pastor out there who might? have this tendency to assert his authority and whoops and uh uh you know we and you what would you say to him uh uh he's not being respected perhaps uh uh he feels like people should realize what you just said a little bit earlier all the work he's doing you know what would you say to that young pastor i'm just going to take from what i've learned from you (laughs) uh well i think of the verse that talks about um not praising yourself with your own lips somebody yeah. else's or whatever yeah. like you need to someone else should be praising you you shouldn't be praising yourself um, and by labeling yourself i'm pastor so and so and like you listen to me you're basically putting giving yourself authority and praise and power and position and all of that so that just doesn't that that respect should be earned obviously it should come with a title but eventually i mean you're gonna have to prove yourself and again something i've learned here is just like you are you're working for god i mean we just 
we were just talking about this somewhere here at church in one of the many ministries I know we were just talking about. Like, you're, it was in our cell group. We were talking about, like, what, why you're doing what you're doing in just uh, a mundane job. And, like, wh- how can I serve God in this job of just, like, you know, entering data? Yeah. Well, it's the same as a pastor. Like, you're doing, well, you're not doing it so you can rack up all of these checklists that, like, yeah, I married these two couples and I did a funeral and I did that. You know, like, that's not why you're doing it. You're... It's, you're doing it for the one individual that needs their heart changed or you're doing wow. it for whatever. So, and God is the one that needs to see it and you're not on the street corner, you know, repeating your prayers out loud and all that stuff. Oh, so wow. it's like, right? I mean, like, That's good. That's really good stuff. So so let another man praise you yeah. and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. So let the let the praise come from up, from, from within or from without, but not from yourself. And remember why your your motives. This gets back to those motives. Yeah. In fact, when you said this, um, I are my mom. Oh, I thought you were going to tell the story about when you were copying the VBS stuff all by yourself. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No. You would say your mom's. No, uh, <laughs> that's what I think of. Though, as the young. Pastor. That's what not the story is going to tell. Actually, okay. I was with a bunch of other pastors who were giving out their annual reports, and and a couple of them had exactly what you said. At the end of their annual report, they had a list of all the things they did throughout the year. I couldn't believe it. I, I've never done that. I just, it's to, like, it, it's, it's crazy. But to get back to uh, what you said, true story, I was at the smaller church mm-hmm. and we had a children's ministry and uh, I it was a steal of a deal. We couldn't afford an Awana program, but we Awana. could afford another program. It was called King's Kids. I don't even know if it exists anymore, but for 25 bucks, you get the whole program. I thought, what a steal of a deal. The only thing is, but for 25 bucks, you got this big three-ring binder, and you had to take everything out and make photocopies of it. And then you had to cut the photocopies out. Then you had to cut the little splices so they'd slide into a ribbon that would go up. It was the most tedious, laborious, boring, and time-consuming thing I'd, I'd ever done. And, um, and so one, I would, one afternoon, I had to do a whole bunch of these. And, I, and I, I bet I spent three hours doing it. And I was so frustrated. I'd made so many mistakes. And in the middle of it, I went, I am a pastor. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm a pastor of a church. Why am I doing this mundane stuff? And I, was, I, 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 I might have been saying it verbally. There was nobody else to listen to God. <laughs> and, uh, and apparently he was listening because at the he totally convicted me in the moment. Like, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. I called you to be my servant. Yeah. Now get in there and do the work and do it as unto me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's really good advice that you're giving the young, the young pastor. And it's good advice that you're giving to the congregation as well to be patient with their pastor mm-hmm. and to recognize he's doing a lot of things behind the scenes mm-hmm. that they just don't see. Yeah. Anything a of, else? A lot of hard things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have, que- I have some questions about your individual points there some of them are more fun okay so i can ask you questions okay you asking me questions my first one was about the, the clock taking the clock out of schedule you um you talked about some of them but like what's some crazy stories of like emergencies where you're just like middle of the night someone's calling you or like I mean, well, does that happen does that really happen it does really happen and you and- always answer uh, no, <laughs> I don't. So if I don't recognize the number, I won't answer. Sure. I just won't. I'm just not going to answer it, and, and, uh, which is sort of common. I get it. But if, uh, if somebody calls me that I know, their name comes up on my phone in the middle of the night, I, I, I will most certainly 
uh, answered the phone. And I've had some odd calls. Sure. Sometimes it's a text. But I what mean, can you share? Like, some of yeah, them it's kind of hard to share some of those things yeah. because most of them are emergencies. We've had a lot of uh, situations with marriages that were falling apart, fights that were taking place, uh, mm -hmm. uh, situations I had to drop what I do and go right to the home in the middle of the night and basically calm down a couple. So they're not as funny as they are. I Normally know, if you get one in the middle serious. of the night. Yeah. It's serious. Yeah, other, the, the, fun ones are, the fun ones are all the babies that are born. Okay. Now, this, this is the funny part. Uh, when all of our kids had their firstborn babies, I mean, we got the calls right now. We were yeah. down there right now. After the second or third kids, uh, we didn't get calls until the kid was like three days old. I'm just kidding about that. And then they're out by now. Yeah. Two days. <laughs> so they're back home, you know, we get yeah. the calls. So it's yeah. a little different, you know, later on. But, yeah. but it's still true. You have to just be ready. I don't go to bed at night wondering who's going to call me, if that's sure. what you're wondering. But uh, at the same time, uh, you have to be flexible. You have to be flexible. You have to be ready. There, and it's just, it's, it's the lot that we choose. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number three was ministers out of every season. So you're very well known for you were widowed or you have a couple of kids in high school that struggled, but like what's some other seasons that you maybe don't talk about that we wouldn't know that you're behind the scenes going through this season and then you've taught about it. Yeah. Well, how about just not feeling good? Uh, you know, I, I, I uh, it's true. I've, I've, it's true. I've never missed a Sunday because I was sick. It's the yeah. craziest thing. I'm thankful the Lord. I'm sure it could happen any day. Sure. I did get COVID and still preached virtually, but, yeah. uh, but you do get ill. You do uh, go through those seasons and you still have to minister. I mean, there, most times you try to give it to somebody else to do it. Yeah. Uh, you can get into a funk you can get into a blue state, you know, yeah. and, and you just, you know, you where life can be kind, it's a little more of a drudgery. I don't have many of those. I'll, I'll just be honest. I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not better than anybody else. Sure. I, I'm not that guy who is, who falls into the, the pit of despair. Yeah. And, um, but pastors do go those. And we talked about that in yeah. other podcasts where some of our pastors have struggled, uh, that way. Um, but all the seasons, uh, I mean, I, I get up every day, and pray every day that God would make me ready, willing, wise in the moment, and, uh, and no matter what season it is in my life, you know, and so there have been holidays and things like that that I've had to go do something uh, uh, that took me away from family or whatever. That's hard. That's really hard. Those are the times where you want to say, yeah. seriously, could yeah. somebody else do this right now? I've been there. Uh, but... Uh, uh, Again, that's that's our lot in life, too. Yep, I agree. Okay, um, pours out from the overflow of his heart. So what's something right now that's overflowing out of your heart that might be a sneak peek into, like, an upcoming teaching? Oh, well, that's a great question because right now, uh, I'll, my neighbor, uh, and she's not even a member of our church, but she's a sweet uh, young lady. She's got a really neat husband. They got a couple little kids and they go to another uh, Bible believing church in our area. And they're just our next door neighbor, the sweetest couple. And we, uh, we go back and forth with them from time to time. And she loves to ask questions. So she, she would uh, message me on Facebook uh, several months ago. I, my, my brain's working right now and I've got a question. And she mm -hmm. would hit me up on the sovereignty of God, or she'd hit me up on, on heaven and hell. And easy stuff. Yeah, easy stuff. Or like Hades. <laughs> what is that? What happens? And this. They were actually some great questions. Yeah. So I was answering her questions. And as I did, I, I thought some of these questions have been asked 
many times before over the years. Mm -hmm. And it hit me, I thought, why am I not collecting my answers yeah. and putting them in a file so that I can pull them up? And so that I started yeah. doing it. And I thanked her recently because her questions is what prompted me to do something I've wanted to do for years, namely uh, have a long list of questions and answers. Other theologians and pastors do this all the time. John Piper famously has done it. And, uh, and that's probably kept been the thing that's kept me from doing it. Well, other people are doing it. Yeah. But I said, no, if nothing else, I could just cut and paste some answers. Not that you want to be that way and not give a personal reply, sure. but the substance, the theological substance yeah. to the answer would be there. So I started doing that. And I'm really excited about that. And I think I may have mentioned it to you, I'd like yeah. to turn this into a podcast of yeah. questions and answers on some of those harder questions to deal with. Yeah. Uh, I'll just sort of, I won't answer it right now, but one of them is just the doctrines of grace. That's a big deal. The, the famous tulip uh, that uh, reform, those who are, uh, are very Calvinistic, and I would consider myself Calvinistic, uh, but the letter L in the tulip is limited atonement. And I have an issue with limited atonement. That, that'll get the audience. So four and a half point. Yeah, so I say four and a half. I'm a 4.8 or not a five-point Calvinist. <laughs> and by, by that, the only reason I say that is because limited atonement, I, 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 um, I contend, is not taught per se in the Bible. It's not taught per se. It's not taught in the negative, in other words. It's taught in the positive. God chooses people before the foundation of the earth. Mm -hmm. Everybody whom God has chosen is going to be saved. There's no question about that. If you're elect, you're going to get saved. Now, I don't know who's elect, so my job right. is to preach the gospel to everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I don't. But limited atonement is is the teaching that God has uh, that Christ died only for the elect. Okay. Well, that may well be true. Okay. But that's not the way the Bible describes it. The Bible describes it positively. Mm -hmm. All who were uh, uh, ordained to eternal life, uh, uh, were saved. That's in Acts chapter 13, 48. I mean, so it it spins it more positively. So there's a, there's a different, uh, way of looking at it. It's been, it's been called particular redemption. That doesn't fit the tulip, but it's true. God picks God is particularly, they're going to be redeemed. They're particular, they're going to be, it's positive. And, but those are the kind of things that have got me excited in recent days to, to tackle yeah. uh, theologically in and, and a, and a future podcast. So that's, that's what I'm, I'm or, jacked up about. Or a book. Yes, yes, yes. And that would be the other thing. I am right. You say that under your breath and rightly so, because until it's there, it's not really there. But you've it's been not taking, there, there. But you've been taking good time on it, not I have. rushing it. I have. So I, yeah. That's an overflow, right? It's, it's a total overflow of my heart. The book is titled Retractions. It's subtitled Cultivating Humility After Humiliation. <laughs> and as you can imagine, there's a lot of story. It's not an autobiography, but it's very autobiographical. Cool. So, yeah. We'll do a whole podcast. When oh, okay, done. that'd be cool. Uh, okay, so number five was comes out to encourage God's people. Turn that around. How can the people encourage you or the other pastors? And you talked about one of them in your message. Yeah, about uh, text that I got. Yeah. But what's some other ways that the, the church can encourage you? Well, words are big. Words are very encouraging. Uh, gifts are encouraging. And uh, I especially think of the younger pastors, some of the, are the younger staff people that are uh, or even yourself, uh, where I know that you, with all your large family, we pay you what we can. We get, you know, we've tried to be as generous as possible. But people like you need to be, can be encouraged with gifts. And, uh, but words 
cards. I mean, we get cards. I could name people who I, I, I get cards from them every couple of months. Yeah. Just They just think of us. They think of my wife. Uh, encouraging our wives, that's a mm. big deal. I, yeah. I'm encouraged when my wife is encouraged. Yeah. She's an encourager. She seeks to encourage yeah, people. Is. So so when someone encourages her, oh, yeah, that just blesses my heart. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I think when you're talking, I, was, I think of uh, Abe Miller when he came out of youth ministry and an admin and how he was like, man, as a youth pastor, you never get any... Uh, affirmation from like students. Oh yeah, I mean, you might, but toughest like, job on. But earth. then, like ten years later, they're like, "You back in the day, yeah. you know." So that if, for youth guy, they need it. Yeah, they need. It. That's a different subject altogether, a uh, different podcast. But that's yeah. a big, big, big yeah. deal. Youth guys need to be encouraged. But to, to put a cap on the question, John put it best when he said, "I have no greater joy than when my children walk in truth." And he was yeah. thinking of his spiritual children. We all, uh, you know, as dads, we grab that thing. And yeah. that's true of us as physically, yeah. but it's also true spiritually. There's no greater joy to my heart as a pastor than when God's people uh, get saved, walk with God, dedicate their lives to the Lord, make changes in their lives mm-hmm. by the power of God. That gives me great joy. Okay, one more. Okay. Looks out for lurking enemies. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned things like COVID and the civil unrest and the election and those are like obvious but lurking the definition is remaining hidden as to wait in an ambush so what's something that you it's kind of hard kind of a paradox there but like it's lurking so you don't know but what are some things that you as a pastor see that is lurking that hasn't maybe come to fruition or is like spots are here and there yeah but we're all just kind of missing it well that's great that you looked up the word lurking. Uh, and so it just, it's because they are, because even though I might not know what's lurking, sure. I know it's lurking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I read the scripture on Sunday, but I think it's worth repeating. It's in Acts chapter 20, Paul saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. And he says, be on the alert, remembering that for three years I didn't cease day and night to admonish you in every way with tears. Because he says, Uh, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. That's the obvious, okay? Then he says, after that, that, then he gets to what you were referring to. He says, and from among your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things Mm -hmm. to draw the disciples away. And so in that sense, I have, that's for just preaching the truth. Staying in the Word, not flitting around the Bible and just doing whatever I feel like doing, but preaching through books of the Bible like First and Second Thessalonians. We take breaks and preach through subjects and sure. uh, and deal with cultural issues in the summer and stuff, but we always stay in the Word so that our people have a great diet of truth so that they can discern uh, truth and error themselves. Because if our people can't discern truth and error, they're not going to know when the error is coming their way. And they're liable to be sucked in by all these charlatans that are out there on TV and otherwise just stealing their money and lying to them with a big smile and pearly whites. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so this is, the verse is talking specifically spiritually is what you're saying. And you're Mm -hmm. preemptively um, protecting that lurking stuff by truth and theology and stuff like that, correct? That that's that's correct, but when you mentioned the COVID and the social yeah. unrest and the, uh, what else you mentioned? Oh, the Election. elections coming up. I did mention those things because, um, you know, we, you, you remember when uh, when uh, we had a preacher, and it wasn't me one time, said, if uh, if you shake the bottle, what comes out? And what was the answer? 
Everybody said what you did. They said water. But his answer was, no, what's in the bottle is what comes out. And the point is that when we get shaken by COVID or the pan, you know, the pand, the pandemic is COVID, I guess, but uh, the election, social unrest, and these are unnerving things. These things shake us, and whatever's in the bottle is gonna come out. Yeah. And that probably is. And I, um, so I attack, not attack, but I try to deal with the immaturity of yeah. Christians who are who get sideways. And act foolish and immature and really very unchristian-like uh, when they should be rising above these kinds of things. And it's that's, probably because they're filling themselves with the wrong thing. They're filling themselves with the wrong thing. That's what's coming news, out. Whatever. That's exactly right. Yep. And I got uh, water on my Bible mm. when I did this, so hopefully I'll, I'll survive. So. Yeah, just to, to encourage you, I guess, in that, uh, you know, I'm a cell group leader of young adults, and we're going through a series on um, relationships and we're listening to a series on a video series, and there was a, some one of the messages was a little off, and all of the four cell groups individually, people in the groups noticed it. The leaders all worked together. They were all super excited about how the group caught it and how we debated through it and went to the scriptures, and it was just like preemptively everyone knew the truth and was oh, able yeah. to. The guy wasn't doing it on purpose. I don't believe it was just mm-hmm. an accident, but. So it's even accidental things like that. It is like you've you've built that precedent, I guess, and that shield on, on us. Very, very encouraging. One of the very first things I say to new Christians is whenever you somebody asks a question, you don't exactly know the answer, mm-hmm. your answer should be Romans four three. What does the scripture say? Yeah. That's and I'm grateful that guys like you and many others in church, this church, that's the first question they ask. That's where our answers are ultimately found. Mm-hmm. And that's how we can best fatherly pastor our people. Yep. Yeah, all I have left is I just wanted to thank you for that. I mean, mm. that just met right there at the end. But, like, you've you've been the protection of this church since when you came in. We were in a little bit of shambles, and you cleaned that up. And there's just been things here and there where we could have went the wrong way. And you've just, through the Lord, kept us on this straight path of the gospel and planting churches and I'm just shepherding both the staff and, and people, so we I know they all feel the same way. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. And yes, I deflect it back to God. Give him right. the praise. Thanks for being God. Thank you for being kind to me and to people like Doug Porter. It's been good working with you, same. even this last 45 minutes. Thanks so much. God bless you guys. Thank you.